Um, uh, we're going to continue this week uh, with our discussion of Ramayan. Um, I see we've got Rama Mohan and Krishna Kumari and Carolina and Sakurati and Shamananda are there. Um, so we're very happy to have all of you with us. And um, here in, in North Carolina, it's turning into spring. And um, so interesting time to, to meditate on the color and complexion of Lord Ram. All the, the green is beginning to come out here. So as, you, as I walk down, I usually walk, I do a chapel walk around a particular lake that's really close to the house. All the trees are getting their leaves on them. And you can imagine like the, the complexion of Lord Ramachandra. Uh, I guess everybody, there was a celebration for Ram Nomi the other day. Um, and we were really lucky um, here in North Carolina, uh, we celebrated together at Madan Gopal and Priya's house. And I didn't know that within the, our group of devotee friends that um, there's one devotee, Venu Madhava, who is a, a Ramayan expert. Um, so we were really lucky to get to hear from him. He gave a whole class. He gave a very condensed version of a Ramayan uh, discussion. And um, he had so much feeling for it and so much knowledge about it. It was really great. So I, I really feel much better equipped uh, today than I was the other day to talk about Ramayan. Haven't heard from somebody who it really is like he's really invested in it. You hear about, um, you know, these famous devotees that have a, have a, an attraction and a persuasion, that, uh, not a persuasion, an attraction and a proclivity toward Lord Ramachandra's pastimes. And he's definitely one of those guys. So I'll try and share with you some of the insights that he gave us. Um, and uh, along with um, uh, some details about the Ramayana, I'm, I'm reading from, <clears throat> from Krishna Dharma's version of Ramayana. And you can see it there, it's Krishna Dharma. And um, he's evidently got a, a wonderful Mahabharata as well. Um, but basically his, his Ramayana is divided uh, into three. So we have the, the early pastimes, I guess the middle pastimes and the latter pastimes. Um, so today I'm gonna try and, and talk about the, the early part of, of the Ramayana, the first, the first canto, so to speak, of three cantos, if you wanna, I don't, I don't know that it's divided that way, but um, anyway, I should start with some Simple invocation prayers. Om Jnana Timirandasya Gananjana Salakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Sudantot Palasara Nitya Rasikam Hamsam Vilasatmakam Odaryakya Sudama Sevakadanam Vishramba Bhakti Pradam Yacha Yukti Vichakshanam Tvagabido Vasista Saktir Sada Vandeham Chaparari Namakaya Tim Sri Bhakti Vedantinam Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Sri Vasadi Gora Bhaktivinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So um, I'll share some of you what share with you some of what some of the stories uh, that Venu Madhava was recounting to us the other day um, so he was he was saying that um um, like we like we had discussed, oh, there's several things I, I'd like to get into. 
and I guess I'll get to that in just a moment. But um, so we talked a little bit last week, we'll just do a, a very brief overview that, that we talked about the fact that the Lord sometimes appears in the world and not everybody understands the nature of the avatar or the, the, the idea that the, the Lord incarnates himself and appears in the world. So we talked just a little bit about that. We uh, quoted those very few verses from Bhagavad Gita where Krishna describes how he descends uh, for the sake of the, the pious, the, the sake of his devotees who are feeling great separation from him. And he uh, appears to uh, annihilate the miscreants. And um, so I just wanted to like uh, elaborate a little bit further about the nature of those incarnations and avatars that appear in the world. Um, because Krishna like is appearing again and again in the world um, in different forms and the Prakat Lila and the Aprakat Lila and somewhere Krishna's uh, pastimes are going on in some universe uh, in a newer and newer way. All, all of these pastimes are, are going on in some universe some in some way, shape or form. Um, but all of those things, I just, I wanna make the point that all of those things are, they're always new and they're always different and they're always fresh. Um, I forget the term, but there's a term that's, that Krishna is ever fresh. Um, Nava Yovanam is that he's always youthful, but there's a term that, that like every, every time that the gopis see Krishna, it's always like he's, they're seeing him for the first time. So that the, these pastimes, they're not like watching a rerun. Like if you've ever watched a show on the TV and you enjoyed that show, um, you, can, you can watch it several times and it remains entertaining. But if you watch it again and again, you, you eventually have it memorized and then you watch it to, to the point where you get sick of it. Um, but Krishna's pastimes aren't like that. For, for the players in, in those leelas, um, it's always new and it's always fresh and it's not the same thing. It's not like Krishna standing, holding the Govardhan Hill with the little finger of his left hand for seven days and he looks out among the, the darshan of all those wonderful devotees and he thinks, you know, there's Mother Yashoda and she's about to say this and she's about to be concerned about me and she's going to come over and massage my arm and there's, there's Balaram and there's the cowherd boys and they're smiling and joking in the same way that they did and all the different reruns of the million times I've seen this before in a million different universes. Um, and it's not, it's not like that, that even though the, that uh, th these things happen again and again, they, they remain fresh for all the devotees that are involved and they remain, they remain fresh for Krishna. Um, so the, these things are, and they're always like little subtle differences, even though you, you might sit down, you might meet with your friend, um, you know, every week or every so often, and like you might do the same thing again and again, but it's a little bit different every time or you, you might attend the, the program with Guru Maharaj and you know, it's gonna be similar. There's gonna be a kirtan and there's gonna be some, you know, beautiful kata and there's gonna be prasadam, but you know, every time is gonna be a little bit different flavor. Um, so Krishna's, Krishna's repeated appearances and um, when he descends to uh, be manifest in the world, um, they're always a little different. And um, so 
these, these pastimes of, of Lord Ramachandra are, are an ongoing thing. Um, they're happening somewhere right now. There's a Prakat Leela of the of Ram's story, and um, and it's going to be a little bit different. Um, so, uh, just to give some some background to to the story, there's a there was a king named Dasarath, and Dasarath had lived for a long time. Um, he, in previous ages, people lived much longer. So, so Dasarath was supposed to live for 60,000 years. And many of, like most of those years had already transpired and it turned out that Dasarath had four wives um, and he had no son, no sons. And so it, you know, it, it was a, a source of anxiety for him and the people in the kingdom. Um, and so um, that's what Dasarath decided to do was he decided to, was to perform a Rajasuya Yagya, the horse sacrifice. So uh, they got a horse and some of his ministers, they took the the horse all around the world. The, the horse goes on a long pilgrimage and then the horse comes back and then uh, he has some Brahmins and then they they um, offer the horse into the fire. And then those with like divine vision, they, um, they were able to see um, the, the soul of the horse rise up into the, into the heavens. Um, and so a few days later, um, Vashishta, who is a, a, a very famous sage of his time, and in the pastimes of Lord Ramachandra, he appeared to Dasarath and he gave Dasarath uh, a bowl of elixir. Um, and so this, this elixir was supposed to be given to his four wives. So Dasarath had four wives. His first was Koshalya, and then another was Sumitra. I don't know if I'll be able to tell you all of them correctly. Um, and then he had, he had two more wives. And so I hope I'm telling this correctly because the way Krishna Dharma tells it and the way I heard it on Saturday are a little bit different. But anyway, he, he divided this um, elixir, this magical potion between Koshalya and the, the other three wives. And so Koshali got the first portion and the, I think the last wife, Kai Kei, she received a portion. And then those two halves were split between um, the other two wives. And so each of them also had the, they also had a portion of this um, divine elixir. So each of them became pregnant, and um, so they each had a son, Ram, Lakshman, Bharat, and Shatrugna. And, um, and so they, they grew up there in Dasarath's kingdom, and they, they were growing up happily, and every, everyone was very charmed by them, of course, Ram, Ram and Lakshman. 
uh, Bharat and Shatrugna were all wonderful people. They had all good qualities and they were trained um, and loved by Dasarath and, and their mothers um, and guided in, in all the wonderful ways that, that a prince might be guided. And they, they of course, they learned all of these martial arts uh, and Ram became a, an expert archer. He became an excellent horseman. He became an excellent um, elephant rider, an elephant driver. And, um, and then, um, so he was trained by uh, this person, Vashishta, who had wanted to, to be um, Lord Ram's teacher for, for a long time. And I forget how the whole story goes, but there's some significant import uh, because Vashishta had known for so long that he would be able to teach Ram during his young life that he said, and he had been granted that boon, that he would be Ram's teacher during the Treta Yuga. Um, and I guess he found that out um, earlier. And, um, and because of his, he got in a, a haste, he was feeling so anxious to become Ram's teacher um, that he said that whenever the Lord appears next, I'm going to go there and I'm going to teach him. And I think that he encountered Lord Brahma and Lord Brahma said that you're going to have to be a little bit patient. You're supposed to be Ram's teacher during his young life, during the Treta Yuga. And Vashishta just couldn't possibly tolerate it. And he said, when the Lord appears again, I'm going to go there. I'm going to be his teacher. And so actually there had to be a whole universal change about the nature of the times between the Satya, Dvapara, and Treta Yuga. So he was supposed to come in Treta Yuga, but he rushed it. And so the Treta Yuga had to be switched with the Dvapara Yuga. So we hear about Krishna appearing at the end of Dwapara Yuga, right before the, the beginning of Kali Yuga. Um, and then, so the Treta Yuga in this particular time period happened as the, it normally happens as the third, the Treta uh, got switched with the Dwapara, the second. Um, and so he, he became um, Ram's teacher um, for his young life. And as it was agreed that another person, another great sage, Vishvamitra, um, was supposed to be uh, Ram's teacher for his college age years or his, his, the latter part of his education. So let's see here. So Bear with me for just a moment. So, um, so one day, this Vishvamitra, he came uh, to the kingdom of Dasarath, and he requested that that he um, that he give him something in charity, as is often the case. Um, and Dasarath says that he would be more than happy to give um, whatever he would like. Um, 
Dasaratha is thinking, I, he's got so much to give. He's the, the emperor. He has a huge kingdom. And Vishwamitra makes this request. Well, I'd like to take your, I'd like to take your son, Ram. Um, and he said that, of course, he, um, we talked about just a little bit before uh, in, the, in the last class that there were, that there were some rakshasas that were tormenting uh, the sages in the forest. And so Vishwamitra knew that, that Ram had incredible prowess and he had a plan for Ram. Um, Vishwamitra had a, he had tremendous powers of his own. Um, it was even said that in the past, Vishwamitra had by his yogic power, by his divine mystic power, he had even created a constellation of stars and those stars still shone in the southern sky during the time of Lord Ramachandra. So he's a tremendous person. Um, and he, so Dasarath, of course, was pleased to see him. Um, and he told Dasarath about these rakshasas that had been troubling his, um, his, uh, excuse me, the dog's gonna go crazy, uh, Chaco. Um, about these rakshasas that had been troubling his uh, sacrificial performances in the forest. And so um, Dasarath had all these reasons why Ram shouldn't go. He said, Ram is just a boy. He's only like 16 years old. He's not completed his training. Um, it would be better if, you, if I were to go. I'm an accomplished king. I've, I've fought with all kinds of enemies. I've fought with, the, I fought with demons before. Uh, of course, Dasarath had gone and he'd helped the, the demigods in their, in their fight before and, and proved his prowess. And that's how he, he got the name like uh, Dasarath. It's like he was able to, his prowess was so incredible. It looked like he was fighting from 10 chariots or he was able to appear as if he were fighting in 10 different directions. He's fighting so many people so valiantly. He said, really, like, you don't want to take Ram. I would be happy to come. I have a huge army. Uh, we can take care of whatever Rakshasa problems you have. We're like Rakshasa exterminators. We can, we can handle these problems. Let Ram stay. He's a boy. And Vishwamitra, of course, knew what kind of... Um, divine personality that Lord Ram was, or that Ram was the Lord. Uh, of course, Ram had appeared as a man. That was uh, part of the part of the boon granted, which we'll, uh, won't get too much into that, but it was very important for Ram to appear as a man. And so he had, he hadn't displayed um, a divine prowess just yet. And of course, Dasarath and Koshalya, they didn't think of him as a divine personality. They, they thought of him as their wonderful, adorable son. Um, but Vishwamitra had, of course, a, um, some further insight uh, about who he was. And so he said, it would be good if you, if you let Ram come with me. Um, and so... Uh, it was decided that eventually, uh, even though Dasarath was against it, um, his mother Koshalya was was for it. She she had some insight, 
um, that going with going along with this sage would be good for for Ram. Um, and so Ram is always known um, as the son of Dasarath. He's the he's a Raghava. He's the the heir to the line of the Ragu dynasty. And um, but there weren't many. He's not necessarily known or he wasn't necessarily known as the son of Koshalya, like we hear about Arjuna as the, um, as the son of Kunti. And um, so there was one prayer that was given by Vishwamitra that glorifies how Ram is the son of Koshalya. And all throughout India, um, I don't know if it's up to the present day, but for, for a long time, when the Pujaris would go to wake the deities, they would say this particular mantra, that describes that the Lord is the son of Koshalya and then, and it's time for him to wake up and greet the world, so to speak. Um, so that, that prayer that's been said throughout so many temples for all this long time is a, a prayer that comes from Vishwamitra, which is glorifying the idea that, that Koshalya was, had no objection uh, to Lord Ram going with Vishwamitra. So Ram and Lakshman, they went with um, they went with Vishwamitra, and he gave them. Um, so they walked for many days, um, and they walked through uh, the forest. And um, let's see. So they were there was a a demon s named Tataka or Tataki, depending on your your version of the story, and he was um, she was one of the, the, um, the demons, the Rakshasas that Vishwamitra had wanted to take care of. Um, so as they, were, um, as they were learning from Vishwamitra, Vishwamitra had bestowed upon them uh, as he, the, all these divine celestial weapons. Um, let's see. So, um, <clears throat> like we've we've heard about in the past, we've heard like some soldiers of in the days of yore were given these uh, powers of being able to empower an arrow with a special kind of weapon. Uh, we hear about it in Bhagavad Gita that Arjuna was was such a person um, that he could have an an arrow that would become a a water weapon by the power of a mantra, or it would become a wind weapon or a heat weapon, or um, it would be one arrow could be made into many arrows by the power of a mantra. So Ram and Lakshman, they received these types of celestial weapons from Vishwamitra. And they use these, um, they use these weapons when they, um, when it came time to fight these Rakshasas. Um, let's see, tell you a little bit about that. So this 
Dimantataka was accompanied by two of uh, Ravana's Rakshasa associates, Maricha and Subahu. Um, and so as this uh, sacrificial performance was going on uh, by Vishvamitra and the other ascetics that he lived with in the forest, uh, there was, he didn't live alone. He lived with a, a group of ascetics so that they could keep a, a strong sadhu sangha. The, um, as, the, as the sixth night approached and the final rituals were being performed, the sacrificial fire suddenly blazed forth furiously. A loud clamor came from the sky, which was covered over by clouds. And swooping down upon that sacrifice, the two Rakshasa demons, Maricha and Subahu, appeared from the sky. They were accompanied by their fierce and terrible looking followers. As they spread their sorcery, torrents of blood and pus, as well as large pieces of flesh fell upon the altar. Blazing, blazing fires sprang from the earth and hot coals flew everywhere. Ram became infuriated upon seeing a scene of devastation. He rushed forward toward the Rakshasas, calling to his brother, watch now as I scatter these wicked demons who feed on raw flesh. Even as Ram spoke, he continuously worked his bow. He sent swift arrows in all directions. The Rakshasas were stunned. They had not expected any resistance. Some of them closed quickly on Ram, covering him on all sides, and Ram released arrows with deadly accuracy and speed. The Rakshasas were cut to pieces. Ram looked for Maricha, seeing his huge form nearby, tearing at the sacrificial altar. Ram invoked a celestial weapon. He placed it on his bow, and although still feeling furious, he calmly said to Lakshman, I shall release the Manava weapon presided over by the father of the gods, Manu. Ram angrily fired his weapon at the fearsome, roaring Maricha. The demon was struck by the mighty missile, and he was lifted and flung a distance of 800 miles away, landing in the ocean. Although reeling and struck senseless by Ram's arrow, Maricha was not killed. Ram looked at Lakshman. See the force of that weapon, my brother? It has easily removed the huge demon and hurled him a vast distance. So Maricha was sent far away. Subahu was killed. And um, so the, the ascetics that lived in the forest of Vishvamitra were protected by Ram and his uh, newfound prowess of having these celestial weapons. Um, so Vishvamitra had, had more um, benedictions for Ram and Lakshman. So um, in the days that came, um, Vishvamitra knew that there was a, a sacrifice that was going on um, not far away. Let's see. So there was a, a person that lived not far away, and his name was Janaka Maharaj. So Janaka was also a famous king. And um, Janaka had a, a beautiful, wonderful daughter named Sita. And, um, and so he had heard that... Um, so 
I should backtrack just a little bit and get ahead of myself. So Janaka had received uh, the bow of Lord Shiva and he kept it there in his kingdom. And he had a, there was a temple where this bow was kept. Um, and it was kept in a large iron box that was covered with some gold components. And, um, and it was worshiped like Lord Shiva himself. There were pujaris that worshiped this bow like the deity, I'm sorry. The pujaris worshiped this bow as the deity of Lord Shiva. And so uh, Janaka Maharaj had put forth a proposal to all the different kings and heroes of the land that if anyone were able to string this bow, um, that he would be able to wed his daughter Sita. So, so many people had come and, and tried um, and the ordinary persons, of course, they were hardly able to lift the bow. Some people were, were, were not even strong enough to look upon the bow because of its brilliant effulgence and, and the wondrousness of it all. They couldn't even look upon the bow. Um, and so as Ram and Lakshman and Vishwamitra, they entered the kingdom. Um, uh, Janaka Maharaj greeted them. And, and so of course, Ram was able to go um, and he saw this bow there. And so he, he went into the temple and he saw the box and he opened the box and he grabbed the bow and he, he picked it up with ease and he, to test the weight, he tossed it into the air. And then of course he, um, he was able to, holding the, the top of the bow and, and pressing the bottom of the bow into the ground, he was able to bend the bow with ease and he put the string on the bow. And then of course he was able to put an arrow in it easily and he pulled it back. And as he pulled it back, his strength was so profound that he would he cracked the bow and there was it made a sound like thunder that resounded throughout all the hall and and um people were stunned people could hardly believe that you know that here's a, a young boy is very uh, handsome and and attractive but we've seen many people try and nobody's even hardly been able to lift the bow and here he's been able to string it easily and now he's broken the bow of Lord Shiva. So um, Janaka Maharaj, uh, he was delighted. He, he thought it was wonderful because he had heard in the past um, that his, his daughter Sita was a very special person and that she would only be married uh, to Lord Vishnu. And so he had set all this challenge up really in order to be able to find Lord Vishnu for her. Uh, he knew that no one else was going to be able to come and lift Lord Shiva's bow uh, and string it and bend the bow. Um, and so he was delighted. He, he, he thought, you know, his, his destiny and his fate, his dreams were coming true right before his eyes. And, and here they were in the form of, of Ram. Um, and so he was, he was delighted to offer his daughter Sita, um, and when Sita saw, Sita saw the whole event for herself, and she, of course, saw Ram, and her feelings for him were 
they they seemed to grow very quickly and she became very fond of Ram just just watching him bend and string this bow and so um, of course they were married and um, and Vishwamitra said you have some other daughters um, while you're you're having this wedding ceremony between Ram and Sita you should also marry your other daughters Ram has some brothers um, Lakshman and Bharat and Shatrugna and so your your other daughters would be good for them and if they were also married to these other brothers so um, so they they all had a, a wedding ceremony all together and um, and so um, one of the things that our friend Venu Madhava pointed out was that during this wedding ceremony that that um, Dasarath wasn't able to be there. And so in the initial wedding ceremony, um, it was just, it was um, Janaka Maharaj and his kingdom and his family and, um, and Vishwamitra and Ram and Sita and Lakshman and their new wives. Um, and then, so they sent one of the fastest um, runners um, to go back to Ayodhya to find Dasarath and bring him back. And so um, Dasarath came and then there was a, um, and of course there was a big, beautiful, elaborate wedding ceremony um, for Ram and Sita and Lakshman, Bharat, and Shatrugna. Um, so here, here is where it's disclosed. Um, so once, um, so there's a conversation that follows the wedding between Dasarath and Janaka Maharaj. And I'll share that with you. Taking with him his ministers and preceded by a party of priests, Dasarath went the next morning towards Matilla with his army, marching close behind. They arrived after five days. Dasarath approached Janaka, who graciously received the abundant riches brought as gifts. Janaka embraced the emperor, and the two old friends sat together discussing the wedding. Janaka told Dasarath how Sita had appeared from the earth. He also told him of a prophecy he had heard. Once the celestial seer Narada informed me that Sita is the eternal consort of Vishnu and that Vishnu would one day become her husband in this world, I thus devised a test which would only be possible for Vishnu to pass. Your son has now passed that difficult test and must therefore be the eternal husband of Sita. Dasarath was again astonished to hear of Ram's divinity. He still found it hard to believe, having raised Ram as a child. He looked at the son who stood before him modestly, his head bowed, his hands folded, and he was overpowered by love. His sentiments overcame any thoughts of Ram's divinity. The emperor looked again at Janaka and said, I approve this marriage in every way. Perform the ceremony under the guidance of learned Brahmins. O king, the success of a gift depends upon the way it is given. Therefore, be sure that all the, ne the necessary rites are proper properly observed without loss of time. So very beautiful wedding ceremony. Um, 
Let's see what kind of time we've got. Okay. Um, so on the return trip, I'll try and make this a little brief. There's a lot of, a lot of beautiful stories here in the Ramayan. Um, but basically, um, on the return trip from the kingdom of Janaka Maharaj back to Ayodhya, um, Ram and Lakshman and Vishwamitra and all of their wives, uh, they encountered this um, this uh, a large, uh, menacing-looking, uh, and at the same time, wonderful and um, powerful person. And um, a tempest blew up. The sun was enveloped in darkness, and the sky became black. Huge trees crashed to the ground and the earth shook. A dreadful dust storm blew up. Dasarath soldiers felt their senses confounded. They were rendered virtually unconscious. And suddenly from out of the darkness appeared the terrible sage, Parashuram. He was dressed in tiger skins and had matted locks coiled at the crown of his head. Uh, so the travelers immediately recognized him. Um, he was well known. Of course, Parashuram was famous for, for killing so many generations of satriyas. Um, and Parashuram uh, spoke to Ram. He had heard what had happened. Um, and so Dasarath sent so many nice, so many of his Brahmins to offer the sage some kind words and nice offerings. And because they all had affection and reverence for Parashuram. Um, and accepting, I'll just read just a little bit, accepting the honor offered by the sages, Parashuram looked at Ram and in a grave voice that rumbled like thunder, O Ram, I have heard of your strength. By breaking Lord Shiva's bow, you have performed an incredible feat. How can I, who has formed a great enmity with all warriors, tolerate hearing of such prowess existing in a king? I have here another sacred bow, the bow of Lord Vishnu. Let us see your power now. Fit this celestial arrow upon this bow and simply draw it to its full length. If you are able to accomplish this task, then I shall challenge you to single combat. When you stand on the battlefield and are swept away by the force of my weapons, you shall earn undying fame. So it appears from this that Parashuram, who we hear of as one of the, the Das avatars, one of the, the foremost of all persons, was unable to recognize the divinity of Ram. Um, so Parashuram took from his shoulder the mighty bow of Vishnu with his brows furrowed. He gazed at Ram with bloodshot eyes. The bow has been passed down from Vishnu to my ancestors and finally to me. I now offer it to you, O Ram, considering your sacred duty as a warrior to always accept a challenge. Exhibit now the strength of your arms. Parashuram held out the enormous bow. Ram, smiling slightly, stepped forward. I have heard of your tremendous feat in fighting and killing all the world's warriors 21 times. You have fully avenged your father with this commendable action. So, of course, Ram was able to uh, take that bow and also string it and uh, uh, place that celestial arrow uh, I think he, I think he simply snatched that arrow from Parashuram in a haste, which surprised Parashuram. 
uh, and seeing this, Parashuram recalled how Vishnu had long ago said he would come again to take back the divine energy he had given to the sage. The warrior sage folded his palms and said, O Ram, O all-powerful one, you have already divested me of my power and pride. Please release this arrow upon my desires for heavenly pleasures and thereby burn them to all, burn them all to ashes. I wish only to serve you. With all my material aspirations destroyed by you, I shall be fit to become your eternal servant. This is my deepest desire. Um, so that's another beautiful encounter um, for Ram and Lakshman and all of their company. Um, so after this, um, the story, uh, this first, this, we, we get to the essence of the first part of this story. Um, so uh, Ram and Lakshman, Bharat and Shatrugna, they, they arrive, they return to, um, to Ayodhya. And not long after that, um, Dasarath's youngest and most beautiful queen, her name was Kai Kei. And Dasarath loved her very much. Um, and she, of course, loved Dasarath. And she had always been really wonderful to Ram um, and to her son Bharat and to Lakshman and Shatrugna. She had been like a mother to all of them. And she'd been a wonderful wife to Dasarath. And um, in the past, she had received um, some boons for for saving Dasarath. So there had been a battle. Um, and I'm not, uh, I can't remember the details of this battle precisely, but uh, Dasarath had been almost mortally wounded and he was lying on the, the battlefield um, and he was not able to move. And he was surrounded by uh, so many other soldiers and chariots and fallen horses and elephants. And he's surrounded by this, all this calamity in the aftermath of all of this. And he wasn't able to, to get up and, and leave the battlefield because of the nature of his severity of his wounds. And there was a, a demon that would come in the night and eat the bodies of the people who were slain or maimed there on the battlefield. And so uh, what Kai Kei had done, knowing that the impending doom that Dasarath faced, she, uh, she found someone to be her charioteer and got a chariot and drove the chariot onto the battlefield like a, an ancient divine Vedic ambulance. And she picked up Dasarath and, and rescued him from the, the potential calamity of having been eaten by this awful demon who would eat the bodies of the slain in the night. So, so she whisked him up and carried him back to safety and got his wounds mended. And so Dasarath gave her some boons and a boon, I guess, is, is like a blessing um, or a request or um, something greater than a favor, certainly. Um, so Kai Kei was, was very happy. She was, she was the wife of the, the emperor of the world. So she, she didn't feel a need for anything. And she had, um, 
And she said, well, I'll, I'll ask these boons at a later time. I don't need anything. She was well situated at the time. And, um, and so they passed many years that practically Dasarath's whole life um, had been passed happily and she had never, she had never asked for anything. So she had these um, boons on reserve. And so <clears throat> as Guru Maharaj stated in one of his classes, the personification of envy appeared to her one night. Um, and this person, uh, this personification of envy came in the form of one of her maidservants. And this person was a, a hunchback person named Mantara. And Mantara had served Kaike faithfully for so many years. Um, but she had been made quite a bit of sport of. People had made fun of her because of her uh, physical form, being a hunchback. Uh, and she'd been disrespected in a number of ways. Um, and so Mantara said to, um, to Kai K that you should, uh, anyway, she, she suggested that for her, for her own sake, for her own ambition and for her own agenda, her own security, Mantara had put forward this idea to Kai K that her son Bharat should be the king. And so she convinced Kai K um, that she should go to Dasarath um, because Dasarath uh, was going was gonna to crown Ram the king. And so because Ram was the king, his mother was Ko Koshalya. So Koshalya would receive all kind of wonderful treatment by everyone um, as being the mother of the king. So Mantara convinced Kaikei that Kaikei would be forgotten and that she wouldn't receive any kind of special treatment unless her son uh, Bharat became the king. And so initially Kaikei opposed that idea and, and thought that, that's not, there's no reason to do that. Ram has been wonderful. She had loved Ram. Uh, but for whatever reason, by, by the power of destiny, by the power of fate, um, Kaikei, Kaikei's mind uh, was poisoned by this person, Mantara. And it reminded me of the, the Bhagavad Gita verse, like where Krishna talks about if, if somebody wants to worship some other deity or place their faith somewhere that uh, Krishna himself makes their faith strong. And so I, I couldn't help but think of that when I thought about Kai K, because we'll, as we'll see as the story unfolds, Kai K remains completely determined uh, that this is going to happen. So um, Mantara advised her um, that these two boons that had been granted to her by Dasara, she should cash them in, so to speak, now, and that one boon should that should be that her son Bharat become the king and the second boon should be that Ram be exiled to the forest for 14 years. And they were thinking in 14 years time, uh, the people will grow to love Bharat, Bharat will become established as the king and then Ram will be forgotten. And then uh, if Bharat is the king, 
Um, then Kai K will receive all kind of special treatment as the, the mother of the king. And then Mantara, for her own interest, she'll, she'll be the chief maidservant to the chief queen of the, the dynasty, so to speak. So Kaike had been convinced. And so Dasarath was coming one night, the night of Ram's coronation. The following day, um, all the preparations had been made. So many Brahmins were coming and all the people that lived in, the, in Ayodhya were going to be there. There was going to be uh, singers and there were going to be dancers and there was going to be a huge festival for the coronation of Ram. Dasarath was ready to retire. Um, and he, he knew that Ram was a, a qualified and competent son. He was going to be a wonderful leader. And so he was ready to pass on his crown and, and move to the retirement stage of his life. Um, but so that night, Kaike went to what Krishna Dharma refers to as the, the sulking chamber. Um, sometimes in, in one's married life, the, the husband or the wife, is, they're frustrated with their partner and they, they get in a sulky mood and um, there's some, some distances created. It's, it's uncomfortable. And any of you who are married have probably experienced this in the past. It's, it's not a good feeling. You're sitting there on the same couch, but the, the gulf of distance seems large. Um, so Kaike was laying there uh, and there are some poetic descriptions about how she was lying on the floor of the sulking chamber as instructed by Mantara to, to look so morose and brokenhearted, tears coming from her eyes and her ornaments uh, fallen off and her hair disheveled and that she looked like a, a rose bush which had been uprooted lying there and her garland was crushed. Uh, against the floor. And so Dasarath is coming. Dasarath is in a, a wonderful mood. Um, and sees Kai K like this and says, Kai K, what, what's, what's wrong? Why, I hate to see you like this. This is awful. I, I can't bear to see you crying in tears, disheveled the way you are. And, um, and he says, you know, what, what can I do to, to make you to make you feel better. And of course, Kai K has this strong agenda in her, in her heart and mind, which had been poisoned by this message of her maidservant Kai K. And she says, uh, you remember those, you're, you remember those boons that you granted me? And Dasarath says, of course, I, re I remember those boons. And she says, well, I want you to grant me those two boons now. That will, that, that can, alleviate my suffering. He says, certainly, I, I, all these years, you've never asked me to fulfill those. I'd be, I'd be happy to. Uh, I will certainly do that. And having given his word, um, Dasarath was then compelled, and Kai K knew that having said that he would do it, um, that Dasarath would never go back on whatever he had promised. And um, so she said, what I want is that my son Bharat be installed as king and that Ram be exiled to the forest. And so Dasarath immediately like 
is opposed to this. He loved Rahm more than his own life. And he had lots of arguments. And one of the chief of those arguments being that Bharat himself will probably not want to be king. Bharat loves Ram and he won't even desire to have such a position. Why are you why are you asking this of me? It's a it's a long, elaborate, heartbreaking description of what happens to Dasarath in the aftermath of this. And it's a practically the whole night. Um, he's gripped by these these awful feelings of having to accept the fact that he has said he would fulfill these boons to Kai Kei. Um, we have about 50 more pages to cover in the next five minutes or so. Um, and there are beautiful descriptions here. Um, and if I had a little more time, I would elaborate on them a little more. Um, I wanted to see if I can cover what I want, what I really wanted to cover. So Dasarath is grieving, uh, crying woefully. And so at the end of the night, he tells Kai Kei, he's, he's at the end of, he's at his wit's end with Kai Kei. And he says to her, oh, perverted woman, here and now do I disown your hand, which I formerly clasped in the presence of the sacred fire and with the utterances of holy mantras. Now the night has passed, and soon the people will joyfully urge me to install Ram. However, as at your insistence, I shall this day surely breathe my last. Ram should be made to offer the last rites to my departed soul. O woman of evil conduct, you should make no offerings to me, for I fully reject you today. So the, you have to think like in the, if you imagine this whole story, you have the whole kingdom of Ayodhya. Um, all planning for Ram's coronation, Dasarath, Koshalya, uh, Sita, Lakshman, Urmila, Bharat, Shatrugna, Vashishta, Vishvamitra, um, Janaka Maharaj, all the citizens of Ayodhya, Sumantra, who is Dasarath's um, kind of right-hand man, they're all planning in everyone's mind. Today is the day that Ram is going to be king. Dasarath is going to retire. It's like a fulfilling of all this destiny and all these great things. And everybody loves Ram. So, but there in the palace, there's ultimate turmoil. Ram, Dasarath is completely devastated. He's had the, the worst night of his entire life. So, um, Ram um, goes to his father's palace. Uh, Dasarath is devastated and he sends his servant Sumantra uh, to go and receive Ram. Uh, Dasarath told Sumantra what was going on. Sumantra is, is immediately devastated. He goes to um, 
he goes to receive Ram at the door and bring him into his father. Dasarath tells Ram, with so many hot tears burning from his eyes, streams of tears, he says that today you will not be coronated as the king. Kaike has made me fulfill these two boons, and I have given her my word, and I cannot go back on that promise. Um, so today you will, uh, you will leave for the forest. You will be exiled there for 14 years, and your, your brother Bharat will be installed as king. Um, Ram, of course, is so composed. Um, and he immediately, without hesitation, without a second thought, um, tells his father that he will gladly go to the forest. Uh, he thinks that, that Bart will be a, a fine king and that he will be happy to renounce the kingdom uh, at the request of his father. Um, and he tells Kai Kei, um, Kai Kei, it, it's, it wouldn't have even been necessary for you uh, to ask Dasarath to fulfill these two boons. Uh, of course, it's, uh, it's Dharma for a son to follow his father's order, but it's also Dharma for a son to follow his mother's order. If you had simply asked me uh, to give the kingdom to Bharat and go to the forest, I would have done those things for you. Um, so Ram remains, remains strong in the face of all of what's about to happen. And um, I'm closing in on, on my allotted time, but if you guys will bear with me for just a few moments, I wanted to touch on, on, um, on what followed. So Ram told Kai Kei and Dasarath that if you'll just give me enough time um, to bid farewell to, to everyone um, that I've loved for my whole life, um, I will leave today. So as he um, exited the room, Lakshman was there and Lakshman of course becomes infuriated. Uh, and Lakshman says, our, our father has entered his, the stage of his life where he has become senile. He is in his second childhood uh, and he, he cannot think straight. I think what we should do, I'll capture my father, uh, we'll imprison him and you can become the king because our father is no longer in his right mind. He is not fit to be the king. Lakshman is furious. He's, he's really about to come uh, unhinged as they say. And um, Ram calms him down and wipes away the tears from his face and says, try and be calm. The, the best service that you can do for me in this moment is to give up your lamentation, give up your fear, and give up your anger. Though That will be the best service that you can do for me in this moment. So Ram goes to talk with Koshalya. And Koshalya is devastated. Koshalya, of course, is Ram's mother, and she's sitting there, and she she can hardly imagine how this could happen. And Ram says to her mother, "Please don't be sad. I I can go happily to the forest. Uh, 
it's not a it's not a loss for me to to lose this kingdom what i need from you is to take care of dasarath having been betrayed by kai k his heart is broken and at this time he's going to need you more than he's ever needed you he's going to need you to comfort him he's going to need you to be there for him and koshalya says I, I, how can i how can i stay here and comfort him just as a as a cow sometimes follows the calf that's wandered away from the herd i will happily follow you out of ayodhya and into exile and ram has to convince her further to stay and he says mother please i need for you to stay and i need for you to give me your blessings as i go to the forest so eventually through through streams of more tears koshali says my son go to the forest may you have a happy journey and ram says 14 years will pass very quickly and soon you'll be here what i and we'll have a, a beautiful reunion so from there he goes and <laughs> consoles Lakshman again on the way as he goes to talk to Sita. Uh, and so he goes and he tells Sita what's happened. And he says that my, my father has fulfilled the boons of Kai Kei. He's gonna install Bharat as the king and I'm exiled to the forest. So what I need for you to do is I need for you to stay here. You're born of a noble lineage um, and the forest is is no place for a woman there are all kinds of fierce animals there are thorns there are insects mosquitoes um, and so I, I need for you to, to stay here and um, and assist in what goes on in Ayodhya and of course Sita um, I thought it was a beautiful description uh, because Sita, was it's described that Sita was quite fond of the country. And, um, and in her mind, she thought, if you're going to the forest, Ram, I'll go there. And um, we'll see, we'll, it'll be a, a wonderful adventure. We'll see the mountains and we'll see the rivers and the lakes. And to her, it, it almost seemed like if you've ever like planned a vacation to Madhuban or planned to spend time there, you go to you go to the forest and you'll see the the rivers and the creeks and you'll like swim at the falls and you'll you'll go to Daoji Kund and you'll look out and you'll see the uh, the mountains across the way and the beautiful pastures and the beautiful gardens and the, the fruit trees and the bananas and the mangoes and uh, and that's how Sita was thinking about it. And of course, Ram is saying that there are, there are lions and tigers and there are bugs on the ground where we'll have to sleep every night. But Sita um, was, was, of course, not going to be deterred even by Ram. And um, so um, she agreed. Um, she agreed that she would go with him also. And then, of course, you can't help but think about how Guru Maharaj talks about if you, if you have love, then you can live in the hollow of a tree. So of course that's how Sita felt for Ram. So she was not going to be deterred. She was going to happily go to the forest, and of course Lakshman was said that he would go, 
And so Ram said, what I need for you to do is I need for you to go uh, to Vishvamitra's and I need for you to, to get our celestial weapons. There are two bows, there are two uh, inexhaustible quivers, there's armor and there are swords. I need you, I need you to bring those things. I have, a, I have a feeling that soon in the future we're gonna need those things. Um, so they go back um, to, um, to Dasarath's palace and they're prepared to leave. And Kaike is there very much fixed in her determination. And she hands Ram and Sita, uh, who have been accustomed for their whole lives to wear jewels and beautiful silks and wonderful saris and beautiful uh, royal clothes. And she hands them these clothes made of grass and bark that she has just fashioned overnight. She's been making these clothes for them to go to the forest and says, here, put these on. And so Ram, he's dressed in tree bark, dressed in these grass, coarse clothes. And Sita is trying to put on these clothes and, and she tries and she looks at Ram and she says, how do I even wear these clothes? How do I even put this on? And so he, Ram helps her put on those coarse clothes and people become infuriated with Kaike and Vishwamitra is angry with her. Well, like he says, you, you said that Ram would have to go, uh, but you didn't say that Sita was going to have to go. And Dasarath says, I want my, the granaries of the kingdom of Ayodhya should be emptied and my treasury should be emptied. And all of us will just go with Ram. If Ram's going to go there, we're going to go with him. And uh, Kaike says, no, how can you give the kingdom uh, to my son Bharat if you've emptied it of its treasures? If you've emptied it of all its grain and food stuff and emptied it of all its wealth and its storekeepers and its shops and all of those things are there, that's not right. And, um, and Ram says, I've renounced the kingdom. I'm happy to renounce the kingdom and all its wealth and all the, the wonders that go with it. And Bharat will be fine. Um, and he's, uh, of course, uh, you see, you can't help but see like, what Guru Maharaj often talks about, like how Ram has become or becomes or displays his, um, the majesty of, of his uh, renunciation. He's gone beyond his human passions and what we normally think of as the human desires. Um, and of course, you can't help. Uh, I, I was thinking about this story that Guru Maharaj often tells about being with Srila Prabhupada and Srila Prabhupada had was asked one time so Prabhupada have you performed any miracles and he looked out and he pointed to some of his disciples and he said I have I have my miracle is that I have freed these boys from sex desire Guru Maharaj mentioned that in his last visit here and but Guru Maharaj often talks about it to become superhuman to overcome the all the passions of of the human life and how Ram is so exemplary of all of that and how Ram um, then um, displayed all of those wonderful characteristics. And Dasara said he became strong and he found his, he found his strength, found his composure and requested that his chariot be brought. And, um, and Ram boarded that chariot and, um, and Sumantra, his servant, 
drove away uh, from Ayodhya with um, Ram and Lakshman and Sita. So that's where our, uh, I'll stop at this point in the story. And um, thank you all for, for sticking with me, for bearing with me for a few extra minutes. And um, so if anybody has any comments or anything, I'd be happy to, to hear those now. Haribo. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for going over time. It, it was worth it. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. And I, I only wish that I could deliver more of the poetic um, discussions between Ram and, and all, those, all the devotees involved in this story. So beautiful. Mm. Boom. Thank you guys very much. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Hare Krishna. Shriman Kanuram Prabhu Ki Jai. Jai.